Second song, are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst? Leave behind regrets, mistakes. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. It's not just a a song, but something that hopefully we believe and uh, are trusting that that's what's happening. Even as we pray that the Holy Spirit would break those walls down and work among us. So even before we get into the Word, there's just a sense today, uh, I just want to give you an opportunity, if there is someone here, and we're, ju- we're just going to pray in a moment, here's what I'm going to say, we're just going to pray, but you know that you really need some prayer, and some of these things, you need the Spirit to break out, you need the walls broken down, you need, it's just something, whatever it is, and, and, and you don't necessarily have to share it with anybody, but I do want to ask that that if that's you, that you would just stand up where you're at and that people around you, and if there's nobody right around you, we'll figure that out, right? We can get around them. Uh, that we would pray for one another. Just lay your hand on a shoulder to recognize that God wants to work. This is not just going through religious motions. Oh, okay, we sang a song. Even as that one song said, it's not about the emotions. It's about spirit, lead me. And so in this, it's not just the person, as we were just singing those songs, it's not just the person who may have a need here today that really needs to stand up, and God wants to meet that, and he wants to meet you. God also wants to meet and work in the person who's going to be praying. That same Holy Spirit that breaks out in the one who has a need is the same Holy Spirit that breaks out in the one who is praying. Recognize the power. So let's just take a moment uh, as we pray. If you're here, the need, you know, this is the opportunity. This is, it it can be something you've prayed about before. I mean, after all, it took, uh, I don't know, you had to dip seven times. Naaman had to dip seven times, right? Had to keep going back. He continued to pray to not give up. Father, I just pray right now that desire, always desire to me, this desire to answer our prayers. If there's something special that you want to do this morning, that we would open ourselves up for it, even here. So if you'd like someone to pray with you, I'm not going to call your name out, but just we are going to know, obviously, we want people to gather around you. If you have... Just a, a need, stand, want to stand in the need of prayer. Would you just stand where you're at right now? And let's have others who might have a need, just have those around, gather around that person. I don't know about you, but I always believe that God wants to do something when we gather together as His people. But especially today, especially in this moment. Is anyone else 
you know, Holy Spirit's prompting you, you're really getting that nudge. Come on, stand up. Then do it. If not, that's fine. We don't want to press. We want the Spirit to lead. Let's just pray. Pray, and, and as you think of those who are, are standing, but also to pray uh, for those who are beside you. Look around you. I know some of you have some serious needs within your own family, own workplace, and other places. Pray for that. But just look, who do you see beside you that you know this morning that you can pray for? Pray for God's blessing. Abundant, free. We believe that you hear us when we pray. We also believe, not because of uh, something within us, but because of what your word says, that you desire to answer those prayers that are within your will. And there's so much within your will. Lord Father, who desires to give good gifts to work in our lives in amazing ways. That you would meet those in need this morning. Whether it be in just a moment in a flash. Or whether it be in a, a, a process, a progress, a journey. Even as you're working that in me in healing. I know that you are. Lord, help our unbelief. We pray as we open up your word that we'd open up our hearts to you. I think of those who are here today or who are listening that have not truly made a decision to follow you, Jesus, completely with all their heart. They've got some good religion, but a real relationship with you every day that gives them a hope for tomorrow and eternity it's just not there and I pray by the time we're done today that you would work in such a way that it will be there for what you give not because of anything we pray or anything I say we're asking right now, move in us. Lord, I, even as the message today in some ways is specific, 
I know that you, Holy Spirit, can speak through that still small voice beyond anything I'm saying to something uh, seemingly unrelated even. To break through. Spirit, break through. Break out among us. Break the walls down and get us to where you want us to be this day. May we hear your voice clearly, you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we get started, uh, I want to remind you that both in the, we've been talking about if uh, you're interested in baptism as well as membership to say something, please uh, see me about baptism. Think about making that decision for Christ, that next following him in obedience, the next step is into the waters of baptism. Uh, even if you're not sure about it, if you've thought about it, you want to just talk about it, you don't have to make a commitment, but I just will show you what God says in his word. Um, and, you know, Jesus was baptized. So, uh, and he had no reason to in some ways, but he said that it needed to be fulfilled all righteousness. So I encourage you to, Think through that, and as well, membership classes are going to be beginning soon, so if you've been waiting for that bus to start boarding, uh, now would be the time, as we have some already on the bus. Um, so, that, Revelation chapter 13, let's turn there and read that, and you'll want to kind of keep that place marked, because we'll be looking at that, along with uh, jumping to some other places within Revelation, but really focusing on chapter 13, and this is the uh, part two, so to speak, of what we've already covered, but let's start at the very beginning in Revelation 13, verse 1, and the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns with seven heads with ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, that, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished <coughs> and followed the beast. Men worshiped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? The beast was given a mouth to utter the proud words and blaspheme and to exercise his authority over 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God, to slander his name and his dwelling place to those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All those whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity, he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword, he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. And then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all authority of the first beast, but on his behalf made the earth and its inhabitants to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of men because of the sign he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast. 
He deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive the mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the uh, number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number, his number is 666. We've gotten to the point in our end times 101 study in the timeline where we're talking about the heavyweight fight for the world that takes place between God and the unholy trinity. That's something that we talked about a few weeks ago. We got part one, the first part of this chapter. If you're wondering about some of that, you can go back and uh, be able to see that on YouTube or on uh, our Facebook page. And, and uh, there may be some other places you can find that as well. But it was the, the unholy trinity. If you remember who those were, uh, remember it was it started with the dragon or the devil that is mentioned here in chapter 13 and the beast, which is the Antichrist. Today we're hitting that third and final part of the unholy trinity that is fighting against God in the capital T, tribulation time. And he enters the ring in verse 11. In verse 11, then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. In some ways, this is called the second beast, the right-hand man, so to speak, of the first or the main or the beast. Revelation talks about this as the second beast, but uh, if you look other places, and just for clarity so that we don't get confused, we're talking about a beast and all that. For clarity, in other places like uh, Revelation 16, verse 13, when we're talking about this second beast, we're talking about the false prophet. All right? So there you have the three that are involved. You've got the dragon, you've got the beast, and you've got the false prophet, the unholy trinity that are fighting against God. We've already covered the first two. Uh, what is and how is this false prophet different? And in fact, we could say, who is the false prophet? Let's look. Verse 11. Yeah, I saw another beast coming out of the earth. What does that mean? Coming out of the earth, coming from some unknown place uh, on planet earth. Is it coming from place even lower? Is he coming out of the pit of hell? Is it something that's translated that he comes out of the land? And many believe that the only land that God draws attention to is Israel. So they see this false prophet as someone who is Jewish. And furthermore, that this would be the one to negotiate the peace, so to speak, with the beast or the Antichrist and Israel that was supposed to have been for seven years at the end. There's a lot that is not specifically spelled out clearly. And so I, I want us to keep that in mind as, as we look at this because there's a difference. We've tried to say all along, there's a difference between speculation and interpretation. I'm not saying that all speculation is bad, but we just keep it in mind. There's speculation, there's actual interpretation. Even as you think about the next part of who is this false prophet in verse 11, it says that he had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. Is that that he's trying to be an imitation of Christ in this time? And yet wicked in his day, just like the dragon or Satan. 
like Christ, try to appear like Christ, but like Satan. Verse 12. In verse 12, he exercised all authority on the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the beast. So the false prophet has the power, the authority of the first beast. And where did that authority and where did that power of the first beast come from? We know in looking in verse 2, it came from Satan. We're talking about satanic power here. Even as you move forward in verse 13 and 14, what is that satanic power that this false prophet has? And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. This is what this second beast or the false prophet is doing miraculous signs. In fact, as we read there, he ordered them to set up an image and honor and wounded by the sword, he lived. He was given power. Power. Even to, as it said in verse 13, causing fire to come down from heaven. Now, let's not worry about what is that and how is that going to look. Who else called fire to come down out of heaven? Do you remember Elijah? And Elijah was supposed to be the precursor to the Messiah. Now, we already know that John the Baptist came as that precursor in what we would say is the Elijah that was to come. But you see how Satan... It's trying to imitate and trying to lead people and deceive people, bringing about this false prophet who will have wondrous signs. It'll call fire. He'll be the Elijah, so to speak, that goes before the Messiah, which was really going to be the Antichrist, the beast. All of this, trying to get people to believe what he is saying and to follow what he wants. This false prophet will be deceptive and persuasive, bringing trouble through the back door perhaps more than the beast perhaps people will feel less forced and more willing in their worship with all the wonders and all the greatness that this person is but behind it all obviously is satan who wants to counterfeit god's true spiritual with a false religion Blinding and deceiving the world. In verse 12, the false prophet's mission is to make or force people to worship the beast, the Antichrist. Which ultimately, verse 4 tells us, is pointing to worship of Satan. So ultimately, in the tribulation, it will come down to two choices. Either you will worship the beast or you will be killed. And so the false prophet is leading this religious part to the political leadership of the beast. And the, the government that will take place now, led under the beast, now has its own world church religion, so to speak. A new one that worships the beast and Satan. The unholy church, led by the false prophet, it says in verse 14, will set up an idol. And he ordered that an image in the honor of the beast was wounded, it will be set up. He set up this image and, and somehow this idol, it will seem so real, it will come alive, it will deceive, it will convince people there'll be something going on. Uh, what exactly happens with this 
with this image of the beast, what that will be. There's so much speculation using today's technology. Uh, we say, well, things could look really real. Or perhaps it'll be a hologram. Perhaps it'll be some high-tech, really uh, uh, advanced, kind of lifelike animatronics, you know, way beyond Disney and all that other stuff, you know. That's what this is going to be. Or maybe it'll be some kind of Android-like thing, well, you know. We can be so fascinated with figuring out the technological advances of today and how they're going to bring about end times prophecy that we don't look to the supernatural power of evil that is trying to deceive and bring terror. I know what I'm saying here goes counter to what many of self-proclaimed prophecy experts are, are talking about. But I personally think that the power of the supernatural evil doing something is more sensational and greater than trying to connect the dots between Bible prophecy and what man can do today. Why is it that our first tendency is to lean on current events and future technology to explain the Bible in the end times? Do we not truly believe there is a supernatural divine and evil heavyweight fight for the world that is going to go on between God and Satan? And that this fight does not need the intellectual and technological progress of man to help. It's not like God and Satan are thinking, boy, I sure hope that man gets this technology up so I can figure out this, so I can do this mark, so I can do this, this image thing. They don't need any of that. There's a supernatural power of evil and there is supernatural power of good. False prophet would be the spiritual leader with a mission to promote the idolatrous worship of the beast, even using the power of death to try to force those to worship the beast. As it says in verse 15, he was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. And one of the ways that this is going to come about is what we talk about in the mark. And he says in verse 16 now, he forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast and the number of his name. We're talking about what is that mark of the beast. By the way, as we talk about that, let's note something here. The mark of the beast is being overseen and in charge of by the false prophet, not the beast. That's why this is important to talk about the false prophet. What is the mark of the beast? There's a lot of great speculation, especially in our times. And unfortunately, there's a lot of great misinformation and even fear producing going on by those who claim to be Christians. So right now, let's just kind of cut through all of this to what does the word of God actually say? including speaking to those today who may be concerned that they may have or they may take the mark of the beast accidentally. So first, what's the mark? Yeah, we read that in verse uh, 16 and 17 there, the whole economy will require a mark to be worn by people placed on their right hand and their forehead. And we think about a mark is not it's not unusual. History has already shown that it's not far-fetched that people would literally be marked or branded. I mean, that, that's, that's not hard to figure it out, except this time the mark of the beast will be spinned as something good and positive. 
And it's interesting that today where things have gone with, with uh, end times prophecy talk is they talk less about an actual physical mark on the body and more about it being a microchip or an RFD uh, ID technology implants placed in your hand or in your forehead uh, somewhere. And in fact, the speculation is that, it, that we, people are already getting this mark put into their body through the COVID vaccine shots. Although you would think somebody by now that would oppose that has enough smarts to be able to somehow prove through physical evidence that this is happening. But I'm, I'm not going to go there. I, I'm not even going to try to, you know, well, we should think through it logically. Like, you know what? You can already buy and sell online and you don't need any mark. You don't need anything. You do that. Uh, and, and if we want to go there, how many already are buying and selling with a chip in your hand? Huh? Are you with me? Paying for things with a credit card or a debit card? The microchip is already in your hand, folks. Do you already have the mark of the beast? I'm going to answer that in a few minutes. There's a wide variety of what people think the mark is. For example, there are those who will tell you that vaccine passports are going to be the mark of the beast. Let me tell you, this is not something new. 2007, when a mission trip to Africa, I needed to have a vaccine passport for yellow fever to be able not only to get there, but just even to buy a plane ticket to there. It's already been. And if we're going to go there, why not just go with passports in general? And if we're going to go to passports, are going to be the way. Why not just go to this whole uh, Pennsylvania ID thing? I mean, they keep putting it off and, you know, it's going to come because you're going to need it to go to Canada. Although nobody's letting anybody in there. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going there, but you're going to need it there or you're going to need it just to get on a plane and go someplace. You've got to have this special ID, especially in Pennsylvania. And what's it going to take just to expand that to actually buy things? For all that matters, if you're going that direction, we all have driver's license. How long would it, how much would it take for the government just to sort of chip in that thing? You know, and then that identifies you and use it for all this, for all that matters. We start you know, this whole mark of the beast and, and all that thing. You know what's ironic even? I thought about, what about uh, those who are, are, are saying, you know, we need to have voter IDs. Everybody should have a voter ID with a valid picture that the government would say that you must have this to be able to vote in this country. Now, first of all, I'm not getting political here. Not, this is not political. I just want you to think about this for a moment. What I'm saying is that those who will, that there are those who will say, this is just another way to force or control people to get the mark of the beast. Which is why we need to grasp what is the mark of the beast. Let us recognize that not only now, but throughout history, there has been believable and unbelievable theories and speculations of what the mark of the beast is going to be. Before anyone ever thought of microchips, there were prophecy experts claiming this or that and other things, like invisible tattoos, you know, get stamped on your hand. Anybody ever, you, you go to an amusement park and you want to go out to your car to get something, they got to stamp your hand and you get back in and, oh, I don't see anything there. You get back in, they put it on their blue light, oh. What is this, the mark? 
You know, it's on there. And all I got to do is use some permanent ink now of this. And you've got the mark of the beast. I mean, they could. Uh, for all that matter, that's what people were thinking just about tattoos in general. There was a time to think that tat, that's how it was going to happen was a tattoo. Because there was a time where tattoos were not as popular or seen as positive, right? You know, so that, that's what it's going to be. And now you've got the future tech tattoos. You've got the invisible on off smart tattoos. You've got the subdermal under the skin tattoos, the biometric tattoos, the LED tattoos. You've got all this kind of stuff. And even before that, there are those who thought the mark of the beast was going to be barcodes. And before that, the proliferation of fingerprinting database that existed on almost everyone more than we realize and so therefore you are identified by the mark not just on your hand but your hand is the mark now we say oh wait wait a minute I don't, it's, it's all a part of the system they know it and that's how you will be identified and verified whether you can buy and sell oh come on you know what today people don't need passwords to open up their computer and to get it booted up just put their fingerprint on it for all that matters Facial recognition. My computer opens with facial recognition. Sometimes it doesn't recognize me. That's a little frustrating someplace. I haven't changed. You know, I didn't grow anything here. But it, it, so you got all this kind of thing with this big brother society. Maybe it's all about that. You know, I mean, you go further back. You just keep going back. Go further back to the whole establishment of social security numbers everyone has to have to be able to work to open up bank accounts to buy and sell oh maybe that's it in all the talk of the mark of the beast and trying to figure out exactly what it is it may help us to note something that many are not told when they're talking to their uh, experts of prophecy and end times and that is that there is a mark of god in the end times upon his people as well actually not just in the end times there is a marker seal of god in Revelation chapter 7, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. Then I heard a number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. That seal or mark, you could use that same word <clears throat> that's there. That the seal or the mark on the foreheads, get it? Foreheads of the servants of God. You know, it matters about the mark of God on you. In fact, out of the smoke, we read this uh, a number of weeks ago in Revelation 9. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given power like the scorpions of the earth. And they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant, but only those people who, what, did not have the seal or the mark of God on their foreheads. They were able to harm everybody else, but not those with the mark of God. First of all, God is able to separate what comes down on his people versus what comes down on those who are being judged. You look back to the plagues of Egypt, even uh, those that came down on Egypt proper, but not on the land of Goshen right next door, so to speak. The mark of God matters. But it also seems that the mark of God is identifying the people of God. And it existed before the mark of the beast. Are we catching this? As you read through this, the mark, we hear about the mark of God 
way before we hear about the mark of the beast. So once again, Satan is not original, but copying and counterfeiting what God is already doing. And we need to keep in mind in our interpretation and in our speculation as we think through this of the mark of God as we're trying to figure out the mark of the beast. By the way, note, even though there are different words for the mark of God and mark of beast, that word mark, the meaning of both of those words means to mark, to seal, to inscribe, to engrave, to imprint. It's the same meaning for both those words, the mark of God and the mark of the beast. We see the mark of God's people. Uh, Revelation 14, Then I looked, and there before me was a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written then there. Oh, by the way, that's uh, my, uh, it should be on their foreheads, not their foreheads. That's what happens when somebody who can't type talks into a computer. His father's name written on their heads. The mark in the end times indicates either you are with Jesus the Lamb or you're with the devil. And it seems right, at least to some extent, to make some kind of comparison between these two opposing marks. Because one, the mark of the beast is talked about in chapter 13, the mark of God is talked about in chapter 14. It's not like we're spreading this out all over the place. It's right there in the same context, right there. Both marks talked about. Why not at least attempt to use the same method of interpretation that we do with one as we do with the other? But no, that's not what we do. Instead, we say God's mark. Many will say God's mark is a spiritual, supernatural mark. But then we speculate that the beast mark is a physical man-made mark through microchips or barcodes or whatever current technology happens to be. So does that mean that we really should be thinking God is going to put a different kind of, if his mark is going to be a different kind of microchip, a good microchip in our heads and our hands? No, no, no. People say God would never do something like that. It would just be a spiritual mark, rather something, not something literally on the forehead, After all, when we trust in Jesus, we possess the seal, the mark of God, the Holy Spirit. We read that in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. The gospel of salvation, when you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. The way that God marks and seals his people with the spiritual mark is with the spirit, the internal spirit of God. Could it be, since Satan is that counterfeiter copycat, that that mark of the beast is really just going to be a physical, high-tech, man-made stuff? Or could it be that the mark of the beast is something simpler and something supernatural? And all that we're talking about is just... Please understand. I do not know what that mark will be. One of the reasons I don't know is because God's Word does not say specifically, okay? 
And I can't completely rule out even some of the crazy things that are being said. But I can definitely question some of the things that are being said and wonder why are we coming up with all these speculative theories and think that the mark of the beast has more to do with the mark of man and what man is going to do to people in the tribulation as if the beasts and the false prophets are just evil men. They're not just evil men. Have we forgotten they are empowered, as I said earlier, by evil itself through the supernatural power of Satan, giving them to even work miracles and other kinds of things. Instead of thinking, how could man pull this whole mark of the beast off? Maybe we should be asking, how will Satan, how could Satan be doing this in the midst of working with a false prophet who is doing miraculous signs through his, Satan's power. But here's the thing, and perhaps more mind-blowing to some in all this discussion today, is that there currently is no mark of the beast. doesn't matter whatever the tech is, there currently is no mark of the beast. I'll explain in just a little bit. I know yet still some are concerned about the power and the deception of the enemy and that they might accidentally take the mark of the beast, even in our times. And while it's true, the false prophet is going to do everything that he can do to get people to take the mark of the beast, forcing them even at the threat of death. And what happens in those verses that we looked at earlier in Revelation 13 and verses 12 and verse 16, some read into this to mean that everyone will be forced to take the mark, that everyone has no choice, but there is a choice. There will be a choice because there are those who made the choice. There are those who were martyred for their faith in Jesus who did not take the mark of the beast. They did make a choice. Uh, We read about them in Revelation chapter 20. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus, because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. There was a choice or we wouldn't be reading about them. There's choice. That had to be made. Let's watch as we read through to look at the full biblical context of what we're looking at. Even as some look in verse 8 in our passage, chapter 13 here, verse 8, it says, All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. And some just stop there. See? All, it's not, it, you won't have a choice. All the people are just going to be worshiping the beast. That's not. Read on. Verse 8 explains what it means by all. All whose names are not have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. All who have not already made the choice for Jesus will be worshiping. In fact, it's not positive. For those who take the mark of the beast, it will not be a positive thing for those who take the mark of the beast. I mean, you got just basic things like the first angel went and poured out the bowl on the land and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worship his image that's not good but who did the plague break out upon who does it say there upon those who had the mark of the beast and who worshiped its image here here's the key where some are missing and you're there are people out there telling you different things they're missing this it's about the worship of the beast 
The mark of the beast is only given to those who choose to worship the beast. And we know that that leads to Satan worship, to the great dragon, as verse 4 we talked about earlier. But still there are some people who are saying, even Christians, they'll just accidentally sign up, not realizing they've taken the mark of the beast. They've already got the microchip in them, and then they're going to get up to the pearly gates, and then they have to go through the little scan thing uh, up there. And as they go in, they're going to be found out and doomed forever. Even though they were followers and disciples of Christ, they, they took it without knowing it, and now they're doomed. But accepting the mark of the beast is not about, as some have made it to be, just choosing which credit card company you're going with. In other words, the mark of the beast is not about accepting an economic system. The mark of the beast is not just, it is so much more than a choice of, so that you can buy something, including food. The mark of the beast is not just about a choice to buy food. It is a choice ultimately to worship the beast and follow Satan, to turn from and renounce the true God. And so then, as we're talking about the COVID vaccine or anything like it, it seems unlikely that that is going to be the way of the mark of the beast because as it is presented, a medical thing and not a spiritual worship and bow and allegiance thing. Please don't misunderstand. It will affect people in the tribulation. Those who do not want to take that mark will not be able to buy medicine or even medical care, perhaps, and it may affect them. But when we're talking about today's vaccine, whether we agree with how it's being presented or not, it is not calling on people to bow down and worship the Antichrist and Satan himself and reject Christ Jesus. It will be a clear choice. It's not a political choice. It's not an economic choice. It's not a way of life choice, but a choice of whether you are on God's side or the devil's side to worship the beasts and Satan or to, and deny Christ and denounce God or to stand on the Lord's side. That is what the mark is about. Nobody is going to be tricked into taking the mark. Oh no, I got the mark and I didn't know it. You will know that you have the mark of the beast. It will be clear that you will be taking the mark of the beast, not merely because you will know at that time what the mark will look like because that's what's going to be happening. It will come all come out. But because of why you would take the mark. I think you know whether you're bowing down and worshiping the beast and Satan in defiance of God Almighty and turning away and rejecting Jesus. Note, it's not just about making the decision to worship the beast. It is about involving oneself in the actual form of worship of the beast and his image. That's what is ultimately going on there. Which is why the consequences of taking the mark of the beast is so overwhelmingly serious. Let me show you how overwhelming serious it is. Look at Revelation 14, verse 9 through 11. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image and for anyone who receives the mark of its name. 
those with the mark of the beast, as you read this, it's pretty clear they're not going to heaven. But it's also pretty clear where they are going. To hell. Condemned to hell. To face the wrath of God eternally. A mark that you can't take back. A choice that will determine your fate forever. Heaven or hell. Not because you got tricked. Or you did not know what you were doing. Not because you just wanted to buy something. I I, I, want to... I really hope that we can be clear here. No one will take the mark of the beast accidentally because no one is going to hell accidentally. Are you with me? Because that's the consequence. We're reading it. It's right here on the screen. The consequence of taking the mark of the beast is going to hell. No one goes to hell accidentally. And hey, newsflash, no one is going to heaven accidentally either. It's a choice. To bow down to Jesus as Lord and receive Him as Savior based not on what we do, but based on what He has done on the cross for us. It's not just about whether you have the mark of the beast. It's about whether you have the mark of God. Whether you have the seal of God upon you. So are you still concerned about that? There's a way to not be concerned because even though we do not know who the beast or the false prophet is, in fact, it may not even be on, our, on the radar at any point at this point in time. But God has revealed to us the one who is the true Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the Savior of the world. And that should be our focus, to choose life, to choose Jesus. Today even, to take that opportunity to know for certain about that. Because there's still a chance for you, there's still a choice. You have not taken the mark of the beast yet. And here's the thing, and I said I'd get to this. Whether it was yesterday or today's technology, or it has nothing to do with technology. The actual literal mark of the beast does not exist yet. You know why? Because the beast has not yet been revealed and has not sought worship. Maybe one of those things will be used, although I still believe it's supernatural and not man-made. Maybe those things will be used, but it's not been revealed yet. The mark of the beast cannot exist without the beast being present on this earth and demanding that people take it and worship him. Somebody might like to speculate this is how it's going to happen. This is the way we're going to get the mark. But right now is not the time we're going to get the mark because we are not yet in the tribulation. Let alone what I've been saying, that it is a specific choice of worshiping someone other than the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be less worried, even those who are believers especially those who are believers that believe that the bible teaches that we will be raptured out of here before that before pre uh tribulation therefore before the beast is revealed even mid-trib would be in some of this we don't have to worry about taking the mark of the beast they shouldn't be worried now because we say we're going to be raptured out of here if you have the seal of god in your life and your name is already written in the lamb's book of life and jesus is your lord and savior that you have chosen to bow down to, then there is no need to fear or worry about any of this. Unfortunately, there's been talk of the beast, the Antichrist, the mark of the beast that has led to fear-mongering based on mere speculation, not literal interpretation of the Word of God. I know some of those would defend themselves and say, well, what we're just trying to do is get the people of God to wake up at what's going on in the world. But how about we get the church just to wake up spiritually? 
We can be so concerned about the sad condition of this world around us that we are not recognizing the sadder condition that is within us. Jesus speaks in the beginning of Revelation, like in chapter 3, verse 15, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. One of the main purposes of end times prophecy is to call us to a readiness to holiness. Let's get there. Plus, if we are taught about the end times truly from the word of God, then we would know as God's people that no matter what is going to happen, we are called to walk by faith and not by fear. Amen? So let's begin that now. Let's begin now by saying no to those who are buying and selling fear to believers in these end times. Stealing the hope that we have, causing us to doubt the promises that have already been given by God. God is near and He will lead us through whatever comes. Grab a hold of the fact that He has already won the victory for this final heavyweight fight for the world. And I know we can read some of this Revelation stuff and the end times prophecy and be concerned as we're reading about it and hearing this and that from somebody. But here's here's the thing. Read to the end, will you? Revelation chapter 19. I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and the armies gathered together to wage war against the rider and the horse and his army. And that's speaking about Jesus, by the way. We'll get to that in the future. But the beast was captured and with it the false prophet. But they weren't just captured. Let's read on. Who had the beast and the false prophet who had performed the signs on his behalf with these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshiped an image the two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur who wins the heavyweight fight for the world we already know in fact it's not just those two of the unholy trinity what about the dragon himself we read in chapter 20 of revelation i saw an angel coming down out of heaven having the key to the abyss holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. God's plan, God's promises, God's purposes, God himself cannot be stopped and there is nothing that you should receive from anyone that will tell you something different or make you doubt that yes there are still battles that we have to go through but we know this that the war has already been won by jesus the question is which side are you on And do you know for certain that you are on that side? Ask the worship team to come. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that in many ways, once we start really looking into your word, even though there's a lot that is confusing, we don't understand, there is so much that is clear. And that we don't have to worry or fear but rather we walk by faith knowing that you've already won the war and Lord I pray for those this day that perhaps are not walking by faith perhaps have become lukewarm 
They get concerned about whether they'll turn. Today's the day to turn to you, Jesus, once again. For others who've never really made that decision, they've been religious, they've gone to church, believe in their head everything about you, Jesus, but their heart is not sold out to you. And they don't know for certain if they were to die today that they would go to heaven, let alone if all this stuff at the end times happened, what would happen to them. I thank you that we can have an assurance that you say in First John that these things have been written so that we might know that we have eternal life. We can know that for certain. Lord, I just thank you that if at the very end we know nothing's going to stop you, if we know that you have won it all, that you, that no one can come against you, then why not believe that for today? It's not just something that's going to happen at the end, but today. You are on that same throne today just as you will be when the enemy attacks and you win again. Move in us today. Jesus. Today, if you're here and God's just speaking to you about something in your heart, just encourage you to come forward. Just you and God need to meet together. You need somebody just to help you to know for certain about I'll sit here on the, on the front um, and just uh, just come as we sing this song. The dark tried to hide you steal you away Stop. 